welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. This is your host, Kevin Sofen. Today we're going to sit down with Clive Savakal, a lifetime firefighter, to talk about Vault RMS. Vault RMS is a health and wellness tracker which helps bring insight to the problem of chronic illnesses across the firefighting service. We hope you enjoy listening. Hey Clive, how's it going? Good, how you doing? Doing well. Kevin here on the Smart Firefighting Podcast. Welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. Great, thank you for having me. Right on. So Clive, tell me a little bit about yourself and your previous role in the fire service. Okay, I uh, basically started right out of high school, 18 years old, just went, um, hit the ground running uh, back in 1996, got my paramedic license before I could legally drink alcohol, um, nice. so delivering narcotics as a, as a medic pretty early on, and um, just uh, worked really hard, got my first fire job um, in Contra Costa County, East Contra Costa County back in the like 99, um, and just kind of moved around, ended up at Contra Costa Fire, a large agency in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and I just, um, it was a, a great organization to where there's a lot of opportunity, and I just moved up the ranks. Um, and when I was captain, I became a union officer, and at which point I really got involved with the health and safety side of our, our profession, um, which then just took a battalion chief's test to try it out, came out number one, and so that kind of dragged me into the chief officer realm, and uh, just went on from there. Um, that being said, I, I worked my entire career at pretty much the busiest stations, and it was not uncommon to go to multiple house fires a day, and it took its toll to where I ended up getting some permanent lung damage, and, and so in 2014, I was basically forced to to retire from from that agency um, due to my my lung damage and so in 2014 basically from my experiences I decided to to start the exposure tracker program to help help other firefighters to not only be have the documentation and, and everything for their exposures but to create a platform that could help firefighters be proactive with their health and safety um, and so for the last three years my my co-founder Chris Mehmet and I have been been working really hard to get in the hands with as many firefighters as we can. Right on so what what is this exposure tracker and and how does this actually work? So it's an online program it's a web app um, and so it works from any smart device smartphone tablet and basically it allows firefighters to log every single incident, even training burns. Uh, it also tracks communicable disease exposures, it tracks injuries, um, and it's, it's all private for the user. So it isn't something that anybody can view. That way um, they can feel confident that the information is secure and, and they're, that they're... Um, and so along with that, it, one of the goals we, we have been shooting for is to minimize any kind of um, human factor with collecting the data because we don't want to just help individual firefighters. We want to be able to take that data and develop a platform with analytics to basically show the behaviors of firefighters. Um, and so we've built in some automations with, with some tying it with dispatches, with report management systems um, to help get the program to where the user can just log in and see their exposures. Um, and then manager can log in and, and see how their agency is performing. And then the end result is we have a big enough sample population that we can hand over the data to researchers with agencies like NIOSH and 
Association of Firefighters, and those physicians can then look at the data to help identify patterns that lead to chronic illness. Okay. So it seems like it's a combination of individual firefighter micro data upload and then also a combination of taking the dispatch data and utilizing both those data sets to help track different cancer exposure rates. Is that correct? That's correct. And it's not isolated to cancer. There, there's lots of other chronic illnesses that, that we develop as firefighters. And, um, and so one of the things that we're going to find out with all this data as we collected is we, we don't know, we don't know yet, you know, as, as we're collecting this data through the automation, we may find more, um, cancers of uh, cases of cancer with, with people with a higher call volume at night, maybe, you know, if we have sleep deprivation is a bigger mm -hmm. factor than we realize. And so what does we take and, and bring in all this data and then the researchers are able to comb through it there's a lot of different information that we can pull from that to help identify these patterns of behavior and then use that information to help change behaviors and improve the, the health and safety of firefighters. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So tell us a little bit more about the problem of these chronic illnesses and why it's something that firefighters of all ages should pay more attention to. So I, it really isn't a secret that our profession leads to various chronic illnesses. You know, there's there's a lot of different research out there um, to show the the effects of firefighting and how we're so much different from the rest of the population. Um, and so it's taking those programs. Um, one of the a recent one that was just released up from the University of Ottawa, where a contact that we use Jen Jen Keir, a researcher up there, they. They basically took the study of firefighters going through um, these exercises of house fires, and they would take the urine samples and measure the um, the polycyclic aromic, aromatic hydrocarbons, the PHAs, basically. And what these do is it shows the elevated level of these PHAs in the blood system of firefighters and in the urine. And all these factors lead to, and, and PHAs can comprise of a lot of different carcinogens and they're they're chemicals that are essentially horrible for our bodies and so it's a known fact that these things are in our system as firefighters um, and, and so one of the challenges that we come across with with firefighters is the awareness and sort of getting past the denial factor and and I mean in, inherently in our, our profession you feel somewhat bulletproof when you go through these these incidents where other people are literally dying and you're coming out relatively unscathed you get off duty and go for a mountain bike ride you know it's it's sort of this overconfidence that we get as firefighters and then by the time we've spent our career going through all these incidents the damage is done um, and so one of the biggest hurdles is, is kind of getting firefighters to understand the reality of our profession and the chronic effects that it's having yeah no, wow, I could imagine because it seems like that cultural change is it's something that takes a lot of time no matter what industry, but particularly the fire industry, which is a very old-rooted industry in some of their practices. So based on that and trying to overcome these hurdles, have you had success with any departments around the country to where they've now implemented the technology and started to adopt and utilize the, the data that's being extracted or any type of success stories that you can talk about? Yeah, so we've got dozens of departments on our system, and after the first of the year, we're going to announce a couple statewide deals, which will bring on 
tens of thousands of firefighters onto the program. Um, and so we've had some success stories through the awareness and through bringing firefighters to the table and showing them why we're collecting the data. Because we don't just throw people on the system and say, good luck. We, we try to have onboarding programs where there's an educational piece because at the end of the day, the program is there and designed to help change behaviors for the better, help change that culture, as you mentioned, and get firefighters to adopt better practices. And so we've noticed, especially regionally, with different areas in the country where there's some more progressive attitudes of, of wanting to change and seeing the problems with our brothers and sisters who are getting these illnesses and even dying from them. And so our program has been a great mechanism to, to affect that change. Um, and, and I can point to Canada as, as one of our, our biggest supporters um, and vice versa because they they get it. They understand the, the need to change their behavior and improve things. Um, as well, we've had some success stories in Colorado where, where we've had a number of departments there that have been very progressive looking to change. And so they found our program and have been using it to help adopt better health and safety practices within their organizations. That's fantastic. So this seems to be a good intro stepping stone for some of these departments that really want to get serious about ensuring that they're doing the best best possible to bring health and we- health and wellness and safety tactics to their fire departments. Exactly. And we found that with a lot of these agencies, it's it's not a standalone. They don't just adopt our program and say, okay, we can check that box that we're being proactive for health and safety. Um, with the, the city of San Diego, they, they use our program and they um, integrated it with their CAD system, their uh, computer-aided dispatch, to automate the exposure tracking. But in conjunction with that, they're working on a, uh, a cancer initiative with their group to help change um, the behaviors of all their firefighters for the better. So all 1,300 members are, are taking steps to improve with this, this cancer awareness program in conjunction with Exposure Tracker. And so it's, it's one of those things we've found with these, these progressive agencies like San Diego that, that really don't just take our program and let that, that be it. They take that and then launch other programs because one of the biggest things we find is, is chief officers. And I, I forgot to mention, I'm now a, f- a fire chief up in um, El Dorado County with, in Northern California um, where, I, I, um, where I've, I've basically found that if you deliver a policy without giving some ownership to it, then the firefighters aren't going to take it, buy into it. And so when we look at San Diego where they roll out the exposure tracker and then in conjunction they roll out a health and safety program for cancer prevention, the firefighters take ownership and they recognize, okay, management cares about this and they care about me, so I'm going to adopt it. Mm-hmm. So it really starts from the top to have buy-in from the top to implement not only the macro side of, hey, this is something we're going to do, but providing the firefighters with tools to actually successfully improve the health and wellness of the overall department. Absolutely. If you don't have strong leadership buying into the program, then it's destined to fail. Um, and, and that kind of goes with, with any program. You could come out with a new physical fitness policy, but if it's just a piece of paper that's slid across the table and no, no guidance, then the firefighters aren't going to take ownership of it because they don't think good management really cares about mm-hmm. it. And so it's imperative that we, we take ownership and we show the firefighters that, that we care about them. Um, and it isn't just from the administration. It's from the union leadership as well. Um, the, the union leadership needs to take ownership, buy in and help, you know, show their members that, Hey, they're, 
this is for our benefit. This is going to help us have a healthy career and a healthy retirement. Very, yeah, fantastic. Well, what are maybe a couple other, three other ideas of on top of a Vault RMS tracker that would be some easy tactics for fire departments to implement to best support their health and wellness initiatives? Are you saying aside from uh, the exposure tracker program? Correct. Yeah, I mean, let's say if a fire department is interested in trying to begin the process of a health and wellness uh, program, what might be some other suggestions you have that are maybe small things that can help build to a larger health and wellness effort? Um, So one of the things that I've seen with some other departments, um, I believe it's Sacramento City Fire here in California, they they have actually a, a person on staff that basically is a physical fitness trainer. Um, and so they go around and they help the firefighters uh, be um, in better shape as far as not just go out there and lifting weights or go out there and doing um, a certain time of exercise. It's, it's an all well-rounded program so that all the firefighters are in a lot better condition for physical you know, stamina and, and just health-wise in general and they've seen a decrease in their their workers comp cases and so physical fitness is a, is a huge one um you know there, there should be some kind of incentive versus just going through a physical agility test to get hired and then you're you're set off on your own for the rest of your career i'm sure we've all seen those firefighters that are pretty out of shape because it's it's easy at times to you know make unhealthy food at the fire station versus trying to be um, healthy at this you know, through cooking. So, um, having a good physical fitness program is imperative. Mm-hmm. Um, another, another program that I've seen for health and safety is with the, um, Ottawa fire service where they rolled out a, uh, it's, it's similar to a decon policy, but they, they refer to it as a industrial hygiene policy. And basically what they do is, and this is critical is they treat their turnout gear as though it was, um, like a biohazard, just like their turnout gear was, they treat it like bloody gloves. You know, you go on a medical call, your gloves are covered with blood. You don't just, you know, wear them the rest of the day. You take them off carefully so you don't get any more contamination. Well, this industrial hygiene policy outlines exactly how they're supposed to treat their gear um, from the moment they come from the exit of the structure to the moment they get back to the station with it in a a sealed bag. They stick the bag into the extractor to wash it they tear open the bag with gloves while it's inside the extractor and then they turn it on and, and never have another exposure to it. Um, similar to that, that, uh, study I mentioned earlier from the, uh, university of Ottawa, they found that, uh, firefighters that did not wear flash hoods had a much higher rate of these PHA exposures. And so if you treat that turnout gear, just like a bloody glove and you minimize any kind of secondary exposure, is going to greatly reduce your overall um, incidences of, of the exposure. Because I, I, I should mention there's another study from uh, it was San Francisco, Chicago, and Philadelphia. It's from 1950 to 2009 where they studied 20,000 firefighters, and they basically found a near-linear relationship between exposures and lung disease. And so when you take this all into account, you can see that whatever we do to help break that chain of chronic illness is going to make a difference, especially when you, on population sizes of how many firefighters there are. Wow. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of these different small steps that could be done, like you just laid out. 
another thing that I know we've talked about within our company is the importance of hydration and encouraging and making it easy for everyone, particularly firefighters, to have easier access to safe drinking water at the department. So do, do you have anything, any comments on in regards to proper hydration amongst firefighters? Yeah, it, it goes hand in hand with, with rehab. Um, none of us like stopping working at a structured fire, especially like during overhaul, when we see our, our colleagues still working. You know, none of us want to take a break until all the work is done. Well, that that causes some some damage to our bodies. You know, not sitting down, taking that 10, 20 minute break, getting your vitals signed, consuming at least two bottles of water. You know, by continuing to work, it causes uh, damage to our hearts because of all that excess excess load um, and the lack of rehab. It, it really does have a building effect on our cardiovascular system. And so it's imperative at these structure fire structure fires, and this comes back to leadership, which is at the core of all of this. The leadership at those structure fires needs to take crew, say, you shall take a break now for, for 20 minutes. Take your breathing apparatus off, take your coat off, have somebody logging it at the fire. You know, firefighter Jones, he came in, this was the time he came in, this is vital signs. Um, he, he's gone through two breathing apparatus uh, bottles and have him sit there for 10 to 20 minutes taking his vitals every 10 minutes and then before he leaves document the vital signs and document how many bottles of water he drank or she drank and so the leadership really needs to be held accountable that they're keeping their people accountable for doing these rehabs and, and hydrating mm -hmm. well it seems like there's quite a bit that we can talk about in regards to health and safety and the wellness of the firefighter um, but back to vault rms and this being some of the a good skeleton stepping stone for fire departments to implement these health and wellness initiatives. Um, for our viewers that want to learn more uh, in, about Vault RMS and, and some of the case studies and about it, um, how could people learn more about what your efforts are going towards? So uh, they can go to vaultrms.com. Uh, they can go to our website there where there's a contact button where it goes directly to to our staff and we can answer any questions um there's also a good article in the huffington post outlining our program um so if you just do a search of the huffington post for exposure tracker um, or you could search my name clive savakul uh, for exposure tracker and it'll come up and it can outline it um as well as uh there's been articles in fire engineering magazine where we we had um some narratives as to our program um, but really, I think just getting in touch with us where we try to keep our customer service level at its best to where we get back to people immediately, day or night. Um, I can tell you, since we started this company, we never leave our phones just because we're, we're constantly answering questions. Um, and that's one of the things that, that our firefighters that were part of the program have been really happy with is how responsive, how responsive we are and how, how we take take everyone into consideration because it's it's really not um a program that anybody's gonna get get rich off of it's basically charity work at this point and so we're our goal is to make our company sustainable and to be able to help as many firefighters as we can so probably the best route to get information is going straight to the website and contacting us yeah that's fantastic well, well clive you've you have a very inspirational story about your, your past history with um, experiencing some of the chronic illness yourself and now committing yourself to helping others is, is truly remarkable. 
and from the smart firefighting community we hope to create more podcasts with you about the implementation of this the application of this and further trying to find ways that how can we get the word out how can we break down some of these cultural barriers that are with with withholding more adoption and trying to get people to think about how could we actually implement this program from a leadership perspective how can we actually utilize the data to find some of these macro trends about how maybe some areas where we could change our habits to improve the wellness of a firefighter so i think all those things are really important topics that we want to dive into more um, i think today was a great start and we really look forward to working with vault rms tracker and we'll also have the website link in the uh, podcast post here today so if you got any further questions feel free to reach out to clive go to the website or uh reach out directly to the Smart Firefighting community. So thank you, Clive, for your time today, and we look forward to more in the future. Thank you, Kevin. Glad to help you.